In Matthew 24, the disciples asked Jesus, Jesus, what will be the sign? What will be the alarm that will get our attention, God, and wake us up? What will be the sign of the coming of the end of the age? And this is what we find In the Scripture, in Matthew, Mark and Luke, Jesus prophesied these are the signs and the conditions that will escalate in the last days. We'll begin to see widespread deception. Signs in the heaven, economic instability. Great seismic activity like earthquakes, legal prosecution of Christians, warring political systems, Hmm. wars, persecutions, pestilence and pandemics, commotions and ethnic conflicts. But when we read in Matthew 24, the very, very first sign that Jesus mentions to us is the number one sign, the sign of deception. Now we're kind of used with deception. We're used to deception in the world. We kind of become accustomed to it. There's a reason why we read Amazon reviews because none of us want to be scammed. And there's a reason why women wear spanks because we want to look way skinnier than what we actually are. You know, we're kind of used to deception. We live with it. False advertising claims. But this is not the type of deception God is talking about. You know, in fact, almost every passage that relates to the end of the age contains some kind of warning against being deceived. What Jesus is talking about here is a worldwide global deception demonically fueled on a scale that the world has never seen before. I believe what we've been experiencing over the last few years is that the enemy has tried to trigger a demonic revival. The strategies of the enemy, they're two primary methods of deception, concealment, withholding or hiding some kind of information, falsification, presenting false information as if it was true. But you know, Jesus not only talks about deception in the world, in Matthew 24, 23, he talks about deception in the church. Now, who? this is our territory. This is your and my territory. You know, we, we expect deception from the world, but now Jesus is talking about deception in the church, leading many astray, false prophets and false teachers with signs and wonders. He's not talking, Jesus is not talking about some demure little church down the road. He's talking about our type of church, the type of church that wants to see the signs and the wonders, the miraculous. Jesus saying, be careful that no one deceives you. Why would He say that? He says, if it were possible, even the, is it possible that you could be deceived? 
You might say to me, no, Tan, there's no way I'd be deceived. I walk with God. I have this great walk with God. Adam and Eve walked with God. Adam and Eve lived in the perfect conditions. Perfect conditions. Walked and talked with God, yet fell into deception. But then you can go, Tan, but I've seen miracles. I've seen miracles. Judas saw miracles. Judas walked with Jesus, yet still fell into deception. I wanna share a story, I think. I wanna share a little bit about who I am. My very first time, so my background is actually praise and worship. I started off with praise and worship and I, so I mean the worship that we've had has been, let's just give it up for the team because I mean that has been fantastic, yeah. So my my background is actually praise and worship and so I, Um, had been worshipping for a long time. I was sent to different denominations and different churches to lead worship. And um, there came a time, and it was my very first time I ever got asked to speak. And I was told that there was a little woman's group that wanted to hear me speak, but they were an hour and a half away. So I said to my friend, so I'm in Brisbane, Australia, and the group that I had to go to was in Toowoomba. It's like about an hour and a half away. And my friend said to me, oh, I'll come with you. And I went, okay. So what I did, being a singer, back then, for those that are used to music, I had backing tracks. And you had two options, high or low. And so what I did is I, I, I had gone through a big clean out with all my backing tracks and I'd had my good ones and then I put my duds in another box, you see. And I decided, well, I'm gonna take my backing tracks and you know what, I'll just sing my way through this. You know, so I threw my backing tracks in the car, my friend and I make our way to Toowoomba and she says to me, oh, Tan, what are you gonna speak on? And I go, oh, I don't know, it's in here. I got stuff, I got some stuff I can say. I got, I got something I can draw on, you know. It's, and she's going, really? And I go, oh, this is a little woman's group. It's gonna be good, we're just gonna get in. I was thinking about where we were gonna eat on the way out already, and I hadn't even got there. So I'm thinking, no, 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 it's good. And I've got some songs. So anyway, we make our way to this, the GPS, well, actually it was the map back then. We made our way to this church in Toowoomba. And as we get to this church, I noticed that there's all these buses lined up out the front. And I'm thinking, oh, they must have an event on here tonight. Oh, they must have something going on. So I'm thinking, I wonder where I'm gonna be. I must be in some back little room. And so as I get out of the car and I'm walking to try and find my way and I come to the the front, front, front of the church, I see a sign with my name on it. And next thing, this woman comes out to me and she says, Tan, the women are so excited for you to be here. They've been bussed from every city locally to come and hear you speak tonight. And I'm like going, are you kidding me? Can you imagine if you showed up at a place like this, not knowing that you were gonna speak? So I did 
This is what I did. I went into the restroom and I started going, Oh, Jesus, 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 give me something to say. Give me something to say. Give me something to say. God, just speak to me. Nothing. Oh, no, God, 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 I need, I need you to speak to me. You need to speak to me. Oh, Jesus. Nothing. And then he said to me, oh, no, you've got something to say. Why don't you say it? Remember? It's in here. And I went, no, 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 God, no, 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 no. No, now's not a time to teach me a lesson. (laughs) This is not the time, God. Oh, no, you can't do this to me. You can't string me out to dry, God. Please don't do this to me. Nothing. They went, all right, I've got some backing tracks. I'll pull my backing tracks out and I'll sing my way through this. So I go to get my backing tracks and guess what case I picked up? Do you want to know what I had in there? I only had three backing tracks. I had a wedding song. I had a Christmas song. And I had a Leon Patillo in the wrong key song. I had no options, so I decided that I was gonna do the wedding song, that was my only option. And I was gonna make up some lame message that we're the bride of Christ and I can sing my way through this and hopefully that something would come. So I start singing this song with no presence of God. And all these women were just looking at me and I felt like a fool. I looked like a fool. I went to try and say something, I had nothing to say. And while I'm standing there, which felt like an eternity, the Holy Spirit said to me, well, are you finished? And I said, yes, God, I'm so sorry, I'm finished. And with that, He anointed me was such a powerful message and a move of God that I have never seen even to date. A powerful encounter. The presence of God hit the place like a bomb. Many people got their prayer language. The whole place was slain in the Spirit. But I learned a very important lesson that day. And I wanna share with you that lesson because your monarchs, your monarchs. See, I speak to leaders. Recently, um, my husband and I have been in ministry for nearly 30 years. We've had our first sabbatical really in 30 years, beginning 2020. We started off in Israel, then the Holy Spirit said, I'm pulling you out. 
And you know, for those of you that are in ministry, when you're in ministry, it's like swimming in an ocean. All you're doing is church stuff. You've got your midweek meetings, you've got your, your, your Sunday night meetings, you've got your connect groups, you're following up, you're counselling, your leadership training. It is like you're swimming in an ocean. In the beginning of 2020, my husband and I came up like a periscope out of the church water. And we began to look around and we noticed that the landscape of the kingdom is changing dramatically. And then after when COVID, we had COVID and then God began to send me across the nation speaking to pastors and leaders across all different denominations. And I started to see a pattern of what God was doing. I would go to one part of America and speak to leaders and realise the conversations that they were having, what was going on, was actually happening on the other side of America. So what God was showing me, He was beginning to show me, this is what I'm doing. Tan, this is what I'm saying to my church. And this is what I wanna share with you today. We have this perception that your anointing, your gifting, your title in ministry, and even the size of your ministry platform is an endorsement from God for your good behaviour. But I'm gonna be really honest with you. I've known people on platforms that have a powerful gift to teach under the anointing, but are just mean, narcissistic people. I've known worshippers and I've pastored worshippers that when they get up on the platform and they worship God, the presence of God hits the place like an atomic bomb, yet they're struggling with a massive porn addiction. Come on, I'm going somewhere because honestly, I think there is so much clamour going on in the kingdom at the, at the moment. There's so much noise that unless we're a clear, sharp sound, we will not cut through that noise. I've seen people move powerfully in the gifts, powerfully in the gifts, like move in the miraculous gifts, like signs and wonders, yet their marriage is in a shambles. Hypocrite, derived from the Greek word hypocrite, which means the stage actor, someone playing the part or pretends to be a certain way. I read this article and I wanna share this with you. It was actually really interesting. According to the Chicago Sun-Times, there was an article, Nita Freeman did not seem to be the type of person to be involved in a police, a police pursuit. Police Chief Mike Hutler attempted to pull her over for a traffic violation and she refused to stop. Even after putting on his lights and siren, instead of pulling over, this 66-year-old woman still went on. She, they, the police followed her through three counties, this woman. So she's now got all the sirens going, all the police are called in following this woman. She's going through three counties and they ended up having to put a spike strip out in front of her to slow her down. And eventually she slowed down and she came to a stop when it became impossible to escape them. But this is what astounded police. 
Throughout the whole ordeal, Miss Freeman never went over the speed limit. <laughs> observed all the traffic laws, even stopping at one point while a vehicle was making a left turn. See, the irony is, while running from the law, this woman was determined not to break the law. I have learned, now I'm speaking to monarchs here, because my heart is to fortify the kingdom. Like I said earlier at the panel, We've had ministries, people pulling out, people that have been serving God five, 10, 20 years, authors, songwriters, worshipers. Some of them completely pulling away, denying that He even exists. And like I said, I don't think for one moment when they went to Bible college that they ever thought that they would be the fulfillment of biblical prophecy of a great falling away. My heart is to fortify. The kingdom of God needs to be fortified now more than ever. And like I said, what you carry, who you are, has never been more necessary or more needed in the kingdom than it is right now. I have learned that you can be doing the wrong thing, but still have the appearance of doing the right thing. I wanna look at the story of Jonah with you. So we're gonna, for those of you that have your word, if not, it's all good, I got it. So Jonah's name means dove. Did you know that? Jonah's name means dove. And we all know the story of Jonah. I think Jonah is probably one of the most well-known stories. As a kid, that's pretty much the first story you end up hearing, isn't it? So Jonah's name means dove. And really what God was wanting to do, God was calling Jonah to go to Nineveh. But really what it was, is God was wanting to send a representation of His Spirit to Nineveh. And so we see Jonah is a prophet. He has a genuine call from God. And I wanna make that really, really clear. Jonah has a genuine, genuine call from God. So this is where we're gonna read. So we know the story. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and proclaim against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee to Tarshish and been away from the presence of the Lord. And he went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish, the most remote place. But the Lord sent a great wind upon the sea, and there was a violent tempest on the sea, and the ship was about to be broken." Then the mariners who were afraid and each other cried to his God and they cast goods that were in the ship into the sea to lighten the load of the ship. But Jonah, now this is where I wanna go, listen to this. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had laid down and was fast asleep. There's a massive storm and where is Jonah? Jonah's asleep on the boat. Who else do we know from Scripture who has the ability to sleep in the boat in the middle of a storm? Jesus. But if we look at them side by side, if we look at Jonah and we look at Jesus, they look identical, yet their hearts are in a totally different place. And then we continue reading 
And this is what it says. So the captain, um, the captain came and said to him, what do you mean you sleeper? Arise, get up and call upon your God. Perhaps your God will give a thought to us so that we won't perish. And so what, what then what they did is they asked him who he was. And this is his answer. He said to them, I'm a Hebrew. And I reverently fear and worship the Lord, the God of heaven, and who made the sea and dry land. No, you don't, you little toad. You're running from God. But this is what he says. No, 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 I'm a Hebrew and I reverently fear and worship the Lord. So now what we have, we have Jonah who looks identical to Jesus, the ability to sleep in the boat. Then he says all the right things. Then the next thing we read as we go down to 12, Jonah said, take me and cast me into the sea so the sea will become calm. So now we've got Jonah who looks like Jesus asleep in the boat, says all the right things and now sacrifices his life for the good of others. The interesting thing after that, everyone, we, they had like a mini revival after that and everyone repented and got right before God. So this is crazy. Jonah looks like Jesus asleep in the boat, says all the right things, sacrifices his life for the good of others, now has a bit of fruit. He gets thrown overboard and then we have this fish. God sends a fish to swallow Jonah, sink in his juices, soak in the juices of the fish. And then Jonah goes on to have one of the biggest revivals of that day. 120,000 and even the animals repented. Did you, even the animals repented. So here we have... Jonah, who looks like Jesus asleep in the boat, looks identical to Jesus, says all the right things, sacrifices his life for the good of others. People repent. He has now a freaky testimony. He has a freaky, free. Why well, he got, he got, he got swallowed by a fish and was in there for three days. Then God miraculously expelled him, and then he went on to have a massive revival. But then in Jonah 4, 1, 3, we read his motives for doing it. He wanted a different outcome. And what we read is Jonah was so disappointed with the outcome, he wanted to die. Hmm. I have learned God can flow through you and it still not change you. But God will bless his plan. He won't bless your motive. But you know what we'd do today? If Jonah was here today, how many of us would be following him on Twitter? 
How many of us would go, oh, I tell you, he'd probably be on this conference circuit or he'd be picked up by TBN or have some crazy book deal because this is what we do. Man, he has a freaky testimony. He's a prophet. He's a man of God. He's had the biggest revival. He's got a crazy testimony. I mean, you've got signs and wonders. He went into one of the nastiest places in that territory and had a massive revival. Man, let's get him on the speaker circuit. We need a book deal. We need, to, we need to be following this guy. This guy has the hand of God all over him. See, if we look at his Instagram, if we look at his highlights, he looks pretty good. See, if you don't know the backstory of some people, some ministries and some Christians look pretty good. The Bible says that you will know them by their fruit. Now what we do, and I know what I've done, is we have a tendency to interpret that as, oh, you'll know them by the size of their ministry. Or you'll know them by how many followers they have. Or you'll know them by the signs and the wonders or the profound teaching. Or you'll know them by the title in their church. You'll know them by how much Bible they read or know. Or how spiritually accurate their gifting is. Matthew 24, 24 says, false Christs and false prophets will arise with signs and wonders. Now this is why I'm saying this at the moment because we have got deception going on in the world. It is naive to think it's not going on in the church. False Christs and false prophets will arise with signs and wonders as to a deceit and leave many astray. You know, we have a tendency to measure externally by outward appearance. We really, really do. You know, if, I don't know if any of you have tried to find me on social media. I'm not on social media. Um, the Holy Spirit, when I came to America, God spoke to me. He said, Tan, I want you off all social media. He says, I'm gonna use you as a voice in this nation and I don't want external voices shaping it. First Samuel 16, 7 says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Don't look at his appearance or his height or of his stature, for I, the Lord, have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. The Lord looks, the man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks in the heart. You know, a friend of mine is a TV producer. She's a really um, quite a top TV producer. She produces some of the biggest shows that we see on HGTV and TLC. She's been doing it for years. Christian girl, loves the Lord. But she was telling me when they find talent, when they find someone with a gifting and they wanna develop them into a show, she says, when you first get that talent, man, they are like, they're so grateful. They're like, oh, thank you. And nothing, everything is like this. They're so grateful for anything that you do. She said, you give them a cup of coffee and they're like, oh, that's so kind of you to give me a coffee. Thank you so much. No, let me get you the coffee. And there's this whole banter going on and they're just so obliging. But she says, like clockwork, about two seasons in, 
what started out as humble and honoured and being grateful, two seasons in, everything begins to change. Yeah, no, 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 that's not how I have my coffee, thanks. Yeah, no, I actually don't want to see anyone today. No, 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 no. These are, these are my conditions for me to come out now. These are my, if you, want to, if you want my talent, if you want my gifting, then these are the conditions that need to be met for me to come out. How far can God take you before he loses you? How far? And I'm asking this for me too. Like, please, please read my heart. Like, I'm, I'm answering this for me. How far can God take me before he loses me? Matt and I, my husband and I, um, were working for a very successful ministry for years, incredibly successful ministry. And God was blessing it, like it was crazy. It was being blessed like you wouldn't believe, like God was like pouring it out on this ministry. And it was having crazy favour. It was having massive influence. It was like uh, it was like a travelator at the airport. You know when you go to the airport and you get on a travelator and you're making double time. Well, this ministry had just got into the slipstream with God, and it was making double time. But what astounded Matt and I is within the ministry, there was some massive dysfunction and some flaws going on. Amazing gifting and talent over the ministry, but some badly behaved people. Some things that shouldn't have been going on. And my husband and I, we were shocked. We're going, God, why would you do this? Like you're pouring your spirit out. You're actually moving. You're causing provision. You're actually, like you are showing up big time for this ministry, but they're badly behaved. They're mean. There's immorality. Like God, what are you doing? We didn't understand. And we were so grieved that we wanted to leave. We just said, God, we just don't understand. How do you bless something that's so dysfunctional internally? God, what are you doing? And my husband, for those of you that have met my husband, he, he's a seer. He, um, when he, he dreams awake, that's it, just dreams awake. And so he goes in and he talks to God. And he said to God, God, what's going on? Will you show me what's going on? And I'm just gonna ask, the keyboard to come up because I want to go to a moment with you guys. He said, what's going on, God? And God gave my husband a vision. Do you want to know what he he showed my husband? He showed my husband a vision of a lightning rod. He gave my husband a vision of a lightning rod. Now, a lightning rod is a conductor in which lightning can strike. And he said to my husband, Matt, they're a lightning rod 
they're the shortest possible distance between me and the people. That ministry is a lightning rod, man. They're the shortest possible distance between me and the people. Many people mistake what they do for God as their walk with God. God says that you will know them by their fruit. We think you're in a good place with God. You'll get good results. But like I said, I have learned that God can flow through you and it still not change you. And this is where I want to go. Your gifting, your talent are conduits and vessels for God to flow through. They're not awards for your good behaviour. Your gift Your gift in ministry, the gifting that you carry is not an award, it's a gift. Otherwise God would say, it's an award. It's a gift, it didn't cost you anything. My gift to teach and my gift to preach is not an award for my good behaviour. My gifting reveals the ministry, the fruit reveals the maturity. Can I just say, God did not anoint us to prove who we are. He anoints us to prove who He is. Even Paul and Barnabas were mortified when the crowds thought it was because of them that a man got healed. They were mortified. They were like tearing at their clothes going, no, 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 no. This is the hand of God. This is Jesus. But what we've had going on in the kingdom is a gift appreciation. And we've celebrated people's giftings and we've created a culture of celebration of people's giftings. And I believe in this new wineskin, it's gonna begin to look a little different. The Bible says that you will know them by their fruit and many are gonna say, Lord, Lord, didn't we do this and didn't we do that? And God's gonna say, no, I did it. You know, the only thing that we can give God is the fruit of the Spirit. Because it costs us something. It costs us. Let me read out the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And this is where I wanna go. The fruit of the Spirit is the external manifestation of the internal condition of your heart. The fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is the external manifestation of the condition of someone's heart. First Corinthians 13, who? Though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all the mysteries and all the knowledge, and though I have all the faith, 
so that I could remove mountains and have not love, I am nothing. I have learned that many people take credit for what God is doing. But you know what? This is the thing. Can I just say, you're gifting over your life. The call, the gifts that God has given you. They're, they're the conduit for God to flow through. He's intentional about what he, He's given you. There's no one more committed and more passionate to the how you have been designed. You are exactly who He has in mind. But I wanna encourage you, how bad would it have looked if I took credit for what happened in Toowoomba? How bad would it have looked at that women's ministry that I showed up and went, yeah, thank you very much. Thank you. This should set some people free because I tell you, I wanna, I wanna tell you something. Many people won't pray for sick people because they're thinking, well, no, I haven't got what it takes. You're right, you don't have what it takes. It is God that goes through you. God wants you, God needs a conduit. See, if you can imagine God like a mighty freight train, He is an all powerful freight train. What He needs, He needs us to lay tracks for Him to go. And so if you wanna see God move, lay the tracks for Him to go, be the conduit. Many of us don't pray for sick people because we're thinking, oh no, I haven't got what it takes. You're right, you don't have what it takes. It is the hand of God. It is the miraculous sovereign blood of Jesus. The blood bought healing. A lot of you won't witness to people because, oh, I don't know if I can get them saved. You're right. You can't get them saved. It is the blood of the Lamb that gets them saved. Do you wanna know my very first person I ever led to the Lord? I was hopeless. I felt like I was hopeless at it. I remember my very first job, I used to work at an old people's home and it didn't take me long to figure out, oh, hang on, they're not here to get any better. There's only one way out of here. And then I started to panic. I'm thinking, oh, you know what it's like as a Christian. You're thinking now, what's my moral responsibility now? I'm now responsible for all these people to see that they get saved. So I became the witnessing ninja. I started witnessing to all these oldies, trying to kick them through the goal. Because that's what we do as Christians. We've got to kick them through the goal. So I'm trying to kick these oldies through the goal. Do you think I could kick anyone through the goal? I couldn't kick anyone through the goal. And anyway, what happened was the, the sister in charge, she came up to me, she said, Tan, I need to have a talk to you in the office. She said, listen, this is not a Christian nursing home. And so we can't have you going around witness to everyone and insisting that they respond to your altar call. Because I would pitch them with the intensity of a conference speaker. <laughs> so she said, you can't do that anymore. And I remember going home thinking, oh, this is what it's like to be persecuted for righteousness sake. <laughs> this is it. Oh. And then I'm thinking, well, what do you do when you're not allowed to witness? And I went, I know if I'm extra nice, because she said, if they ask you, you can say, but if not, you're not allowed to say. So I thought, okay, if I'm extra, extra nice, they'll ask me, why, what is it about you? 
you know how you think? They're gonna see something shiny on you. So, she's, so if I'm extra nice to my old girls, and if I love them, and I, you gotta see my girls, man, when they were getting ready for the day, they looked like they were about to go out on the town. They had their hair teased up. They looked fantastic. They had the matching earrings. I'm like going the extra mile. Do you think anyone asked me, why, what is it about you? No one asked me. No one asked me at all. I remember thinking, you know how you go, I was starting to think, am I even saved? You think of silly things. You know, I can't get anyone saved. Man, am I saved? I remember I wrote, I, I show up at work this particular day and um, the nurses said to me, Tom, we're short-staffed around the other side of the ward. Will you go and work around the other side of the ward? And I'd never been that side before. And they gave me a rundown of the patients. There's this lady called Mrs. Nelson and she is, she's been in chain stroke. And so I don't know, just before someone passes away, their breathing becomes very rattled, very heavy. And they said, she's about to pass away, but she's been hanging on all weekend calling out for a nurse. And so I didn't think anything of it. And so in the morning, I'm going around showering my ladies, getting them all ready. And it came to morning tea time and we're all sitting out waiting for the morning tea trolleys to come and serve everyone morning tea. And we could hear Mrs. Nelson bellowing, bellowing out, calling for a nurse. And she's, nurse, nurse. And finally, I was kind of near her door. So I kind of went in and I went, yes, Mrs. Nelson. I went in with a couple of other nurses. I said, yes, Mrs. Nelson, what is it? And she looked at me and she said, you, what do I have to do to be saved? Well, I was in shock. I'd never kicked anyone through the goal. And she was about to go. This is a lot of pressure. She's about to cross over and I'm the one that's got to get her there. I hadn't thought about that. I was just trying to get them to the goal. I hadn't thought about actually how I was going to kick them over. I panicked. You've got to realise this woman's about to die and now it's up to me to get her through. So I remember thinking, oh, what, what do we do? We, we do the salvation prayer. Well, I tell you what, we did the longest salvation prayer known to man. And you've got to realise this dear lady couldn't breathe. She was, uh, uh, uh. you know, so we went through the salvation prayer and you know what it's like after the salvation. You keep on going, is that it? There's got to be more. It just can't be that easy. So I started to panic because I felt like, ah, we need to do a little something else. I'm thinking, what do we do after someone gets saved in church? I know we normally sing a song. Oh, Mrs. Nelson, you're gonna need to sing a song now. So I rattle off all the top songs that I know. I'm rattling off all the Christian songs that I, she didn't know any of them. So he finally settled on Jesus loves me, this I know. And so I'm making her sing Jesus Loves Me This I Know. And it was like this. It was so bad. And at one point she asked, she just put her hand on me and she said, can I stop?
And I said, no. It makes you wonder what Mrs. Nelson was like, doesn't it? She was probably a nasty old lady and God was like, no, send Tana, we'll make her work for that last little bit. I think I killed her. I think I killed Mrs. Nelson. Joel 3.4. The Bible says multitudes and multitudes are in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near. Every year, 55.3 million people die. Every day, 151,600 Every hour, 6,316. Every minute, 105. And every second, two. No more second chances. Their eternity is set forever. God did not anoint Jonah for Jonah's sake, but God anointed Jonah for Nineveh's sake. The word says that God is not willing that any should perish. You know, the Word says, even with Nineveh, around Nineveh, the Word says when God saw that they turned from their evil and He was able to revoke their sentence, He was greatly comforted and His heart was at ease. See, God needed a vessel to flow through in order to save Nineveh. So when Jonah said no, God says, oh yes, you will. Even if I have to get you into a storm, get you thrown overboard, get you into a fish, let you sink in your juices for three days, get you vomited up on the shore, you're going to Nineveh because I'm not willing that any should perish. It is the reckless, reckless love of God that he would use the Jonas, that he would risk his reputation on the Jonas. I just want you to play that song because I feel we're gonna go into a moment. The reckless love that he would risk his reputation for you. You know, the word says, the, 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 the song says, the reckless love says, there's no shadow he won't light up, mountain he won't climb up coming after you. There's no wall he won't kick down, lie he won't tear down coming after you. It's the overwhelming, never ending, reckless love of God that he chases us down. 
It is the overwhelming, reckless love of God that He would send a storm, get Jonah thrown overboard, get a fish to swallow him and throw him up to send him to Nineveh. You know, the Bible says that the fields are white unto harvest, but the labourers are few. And in Acts 2.17, God says, in the last days, I'm gonna pour out my Spirit on all flesh, on all flesh. You know, recently, uh, no, recently, a few years ago, I was in Toronto and I was speaking in Toronto and the worship pastor that used to be at that church was driving me to the airport. And he said to me, I said to him, oh, how's it going now? There was a massive move of God in Toronto, like a massive outpouring of God in Toronto. And we don't even have to look at Toronto. We've had a massive outpouring of Azusa Street, of the Welsh Revival. Like God has poured His Spirit out. And the Word says that God in the last days is gonna pour His Spirit out. And this is where this message is going. This is where we're coming to at the moment. In the last days, God wants to pour His Spirit out. Now let me say something, He's poured His Spirit out. He poured it out in Azusa Street. He poured it out in Toronto. He poured it out in the Welsh Revival and many, many, many other revivals. God is so wanting to pour His Spirit out. So I said, what happened? He said, oh, that, that was years ago. That's, that's, no, that's dried up. And on the flight home, I was really grieved and the Holy Spirit, I began to speak to the Holy Spirit and I said, God, what happened? What happened, God? Because you're so wanting to pour your Spirit out. You're so wanting to pour your Spirit out on all flesh and it just goes. And this is what He showed me. Where's my friend who's got something for me? This is what He gave me, a vision of this. Do you see what that is? It's a colander. And so I'm sitting on the plane and I go into a full open vision of a colander. And I saw a massive jug of water being poured into a colander and it's sprouting out like a sprinkler. And I went, God, God, what plugs the holes? What plugs the holes, God? What will stop that from pouring out? What plugs the holes? And this is what God spoke to me. He said to me, to contain my presence requires my nature. To contain the presence of God requires the nature of God. There is a swirl going on in the Kingdom of God right now. There is a massive swirl. I mean, it is like unbelievable. And there are alarms going off. There's sirens going off and many of us are feeling the alarms. There's a massive sifting and shaking going across the Kingdom of God. And like I noticed something, it's almost like we're starting to see in the shaking, in the, uh, in the shaking, we start to see everyone's value systems being revealed. 
You know, when there's a tidal wave, when there's a tidal wave before the big wave, the wave has, the water has to go out. The further the water goes out, the bigger the wave. Did you know that? But the thing is though, it pulls everything back. And what we've got going on at the moment, we're getting a veil being pulled back in the Kingdom of God at the moment. We're having a veil being pulled back at the moment and it's exposing the foundations of ministries, of Christians, of our hearts. And things that we've never known to be there, we're starting to see, ah, can I just say, it was always there, but it was hidden. But it's coming back now. And God, what He's doing in the Kingdom, when I've been going away and speaking at conferences, He is revealing the hearts of men and women. He is pulling back the veil because why? He wants to fortify what's coming. So what we're seeing at the moment, we're seeing many ministries, we're seeing where people's foundation, we're actually seeing what people believe. I'm stunned. I'm stunned to see some Christian leaders that are pro-abortion. Wicked. I'm stunned to see leaders that are gender fluid, like yes, doctrine of demons. And so what God's doing at the moment, follow me, He's pulling back the veil of our lives. And I tell you what, if God's been doing that to you, He's coming in and He's pulling everything back. And everything is getting exposed. And over the last few years, we've started to see ministries getting exposed, haven't we? Even with Ravi Zachariah, Hillsong, Kalens, bunch of ministries, it's almost like, and can I just say, I honestly believe that we're just at the foothills of an avalanche of God cleaning house. We're at the foothills of an avalanche of God cleaning house. Because the Bible says, the Bible says, now listen, we want a course correction in the world at the moment, don't we? We want a course correction with the government, don't we? But the Bible says judgment must come to the house of God first. Judgment must come to the house of God first. I believe that we've entered into a time in the kingdom where it's the beginning of the end of secrets. And sadly, the word also says that this time there'll be a great falling away. We're gonna see the apostasy, which literally means the departure and the turning away. I think what's gonna happen, and I was asking God about this and He showed me, He said, many people have built their walk with God on Christian celebrity. They're followers of this ministry and they're followers of this ministry and they're followers of this person. We've had a celebrity culture and people have been modelling their lives after celebrity culture rather than Christ. And so I feel that what's gonna happen is because of the disillusion, because of the exposure going on, we're gonna see many people that are gonna be disillusioned with what they think is God, but really it is with man. You and I have been called to subdue the world. 
But instead, the world has been trying to subdue us. We have worshippers now that want to be worshipped. We have preachers that love to preach more than the one they're preaching about. We've got a generation that know how to market themselves but are not marked. Human ambition we now call vision. We've used methods of programs in exchange for being led by the Holy Spirit. Politically progressive thinking has taken its place over the Word of God. And we've got ministries now more interested in pursuing the blue tick. We've got ministries now more interested in pursuing the blue tick. You know the blue tick for social media to say, oh, you're finally worth following. Ministries more interested in pursuing the blue tick than the Holy Spirit. Jesus isn't looking for you to be like other Christians. He's looking for you to be like Him. I believe that God has been dealing with celebrity culture in His kingdom. Why? Because He's getting ready to pour out His Spirit. And He will not share His glory. I believe we've crossed into a new time frame. We're in a new age now. And what God is doing at the moment, He's fortifying His bride. He's fortifying His monarchs. He's fortifying His church. He's coming back for a pure bride. I believe there's about to be an outpouring of God that was not possible in a previous age. I believe there is about to be an outpouring that was not possible in a previous age. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard. If we look at Acts, you look at what happened with Ananias and Sapphira, they were prepared to present themselves as something they weren't. I believe we're about to see the third and final reformation of the church and a remnant will arise across the earth, a remnant about to emerge, a, a remnant across the earth whose life source and validation is not in how celebrated their ministry is. Second Chronicles 16, 9 says, The eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen and give strong support to those who are fully committed to Him. God doesn't need your resume. God doesn't need your resume. He needs your obedience. 
I believe the body of Christ has now entered into an era where the ability to discern the difference from true and false is gonna become increasingly difficult. And the further society walks away from the truth, the more the world will hate those who speak it. But God did not call you and I to be half Oprah and half Jesus. There's a massive swirl going on at the moment. We're in a Kairos time. You being here today is a Kairos moment for you. You are on holy ground. This is holy ground. And I believe that this is God extending an invitation for you to step in and step up into the new thing He wants to release. We're transitioning from an old wineskin into a new wineskin. Pentecost started with a shaking. Pentecost started with a shaking. Christianity started in Jerusalem as a family. Then it moved to Greece and became a philosophy. Then to Rome became a religion. Then to England and became a hierarchy. Then to America and became an enterprise. And Jesus wants His church back. Jesus wants His church back. Come on, won't you stand? Jesus wants His church back. Let me say that again to you because some of you missed it. Pentecost started with a shaking. Christianity started as a family in Jerusalem. Then it moved to Greece, became a philosophy. Then moved to Rome, became a religion. Then moved to England, became a hierarchy. Then moved to America and became an enterprise. And what? Jesus wants His church back. Come on. Jesus wants His church. Jesus. Jesus. Jesus, 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 we praise You, God. Hmm. It is Your reckless love of God. It is the reckless love of God. It's the reckless love of God. And I wanna, I wanna speak to those that have been hurt by Jonas. I wanna speak to you if Jonas hurt you. This is a time to lay it down. 
This is the time to lay it down. God doesn't want you getting caught up on the donors of this world. Everyone stands before God and gives an account. Everyone. Everyone will stand before God and give an account. But this is not a time to get hung up on the Jonas. This is not a time to get hung up on what shoulda, coulda, didn't, or whatever happened. I just want you to raise your hands. I just want us to sing that reckless love of God.
reckless love of God. It's the reckless love of God. The reckless love of God for you. This time has been an invitation. I want you to see this prophetically. This is a very holy time in the Kingdom. And where you are right now, you're on holy ground. And what God is doing, He's extending His scepter to you. He's extending an invitation for you to step in and be a part of what He's doing. But He can't pour it out on fault lines. He can't pour what He's gonna pour out, what He wants you to carry. He can't pour it out on fault lines. So it is the reckless love of God. It is the mercy of God. It is the goodness of God that He's using this time to expose and bring things to, just pulling the veil back. But I wanna encourage you, there is a wave. There is a move of God that is about to be released. But the Word says judgment must come to the house of God first. It must come, we want a course correction. It must come within our hearts first. So this is a time and this is a moment where just allow, I just want us to spend that time and allow the Holy Spirit just to touch your heart, speak to your heart. Go, God, what areas in my life do you need to fortify? God, how far can you take me before you lose me? What are those areas in my life, God, that if you take me far, you'll lose me? God, I don't want that to be in my life. God, create in me clean hands and a pure heart. Clean hands, pure heart, God. So just in this atmosphere of worship, just allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. What are those areas that the Holy Spirit's been putting? He's been speaking to you about that it's time to let go of. What are those areas, what are those things in your life that He's saying, daughter, we need to let go of this. Is he speaking to you? Because he's doing it across the kingdom. When I go and I speak to pastors and leaders, you this is not just a one isolated thing. God is cleaning house. He is going after everyone. You are not alone. God is dealing with everyone. He's dealing with me. He's make, he's saying to me, Tan, that can't stay. That insecurity can't stay in you. You're in good company. If God has been dealing with your life at the moment, I wanna encourage you, you're in good company. It's happening across the Kingdom. You are right on time for what God's doing. Right on time for what God's doing. Those hooks in your life, Can I just say, when we override the prompting of the Holy Spirit, that's how we get strongholds. 
when you override the Holy Spirit saying, I wanna deal with that, and you do not give God an all access pass, that's how we get strongholds. And I believe this is where false prophets and false teachers will arise because they have not given God full access to their life. They have not given God an all access pass. And see, when we, when we refuse to acknowledge the prompting of the Holy Spirit, the enemy has legal right to get a hook in us. And do you wanna know, I've been in ministry for nearly 30 years. Do you know how I know when someone has a stronghold? And that's, a, that, that's when the enemy has a strong hold on you is that people can be going about normal, just normal life, then suddenly they have a wild reaction to something. And you go, whoa, where did that come from? And what it is, is because there's a stronghold there, the enemy has a hook in and he's using them like a puppet. And so he can yank on those strongholds at the worst time. And this is a time, listen, I'm saying, daughters, this is a time where God is about to pour His Spirit out. He's fortifying His kingdom. He's coming back for a pure bride. He's coming back for a pure bride. So this, is, this conference is designed to give you, him, give you to give Him an all access pass to your heart. Take the limits off. Let God go everywhere He needs to go. Let him go, let him have 